With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The New Hollywood Podcast is presented by Visit West Hollywood. We would also like to thank today's partners, Callie Love, Inkbox, West Elm, and of course, Visit West Hollywood. Pulsing in the heart of L.A., West Hollywood is home to the iconic Sunset Strip, diverse Santa Monica Boulevard, and fashion-forward design district. Learn more at visitwesthollywood.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the New Hollywood Podcast. This is one half of the New Hollywood Podcast team here at Deadline. We are recording live from the Sundance Film Festival. This is one of two podcasts of our LGBTQ-focused episodes, which we recorded here live in front of an audience. This panel features Adam director Reese Ernst, as well as star Bobby Salvor Menwez. We also have sister Amy directors, Samantha Buck and Marie Schlingman. So without further ado, here is our first Sundance panel featuring the Adam team and the Sister Amy team. So we just want to start off with, you know, uh, we both, you know, we saw Adam and Amy and two phenomenal films, loved them. What was like the journey? Uh, how did the journey begin with each, with each film? Uh, Reese, we could start with you. Well, I think the journey with the film started far before I came on because it started with a book that yeah. Ariel Schrag wrote called Adam, and then that um, went into development with uh, Howard Gertler and James Seamus and, their com- and Symbolic mm-hmm. Exchange, and they had a different director on for a little while who had to leave because of scheduling reasons, and then um, they reached out to me in May, I think it was May of 2017, and so it's been about a year and a half. And uh, I had just uh, finished uh, uh, wrapped uh, directing on Transparent season four and uh, was just starting my first week off and was happy to sort of take a break. And I got this script in, the, in my email and, um, and it sounded like a very different kind of project. And then when I read it, I was so um, surpri- surprised in such a positive way and so um, you know, compelled that I knew I had to do it. So I, you know, it's kind of started right away and uh, within months had relocated to New York from LA to start production on the movie. And, uh, and then here we are now, just having premiered yesterday. Oh, congrats. And uh, oh, no, sister, yep. the sister, the sister Amy. Amy. Um, well, our 
journey with the film kind of started with our star, Anna Margaret Holloman, who we made a short film with, um, our, one of our thesis films for Columbia University. Um, and we had such an amazing time working with her. And she said, you need to look this woman up. She's the kind of character that you guys like. And we did. And we went into Google Black Hole. And she's super fascinating. Um, she was just a big star in the 1920s, a big evangelist, had a massive temple in Los Angeles, was the first evangelist to use radio to reach a uh, nationwide audience. We're like, there's something here. And then we kind of put it in the back of our minds because we were in development on a bunch of stuff. And we kept coming back to it. And then we just hit a point in the spring of 2017 where Marie and I are married and, you know, we're in our tiny studio apartment in New York and our cat's sick of listening to us complain. <laughs> and we're like, we just need to make something. And we went away and moved in with my mom for a month. Lucky. <laughs> and we just, we put out the first draft and we've been working with our producer Bettina Barrow and um, Lily Rabe, who's an executive producer on it, on another project and we sent it to them. And we were like, so let's just try to make a movie. And um, I don't know, it was like a field of dreams kind of mentality where do you want to continue? I think that's yeah. good. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. We just started putting things into place and asking for favors. And we were shooting uh, July 2018. So it we it happened. <laughs> and we just premiered. And so. now you're here. Yeah. With all these lovely people. With all these lovely people. Um, so one thing that really kind of stood out to, to us was the both the kind of the themes that both of these films um kind of showcase, which was uh, sexual liberation, exploration and discovery of your identity. And um, so so how important are themes like that? How important are narratives like this um, within our current our current uh, social climate? Well, Adam is about a um, straight cisgender <laughs> boy um, who uh, moves to New York for a summer and meets, you know, who he thinks is the girl of his dreams and realizes a little bit too late that she thinks she thinks that he is a trans guy and um, finds himself a little bit in over his head with this lie and tries to get out of it and it gets worse and worse. And um, <laughs> um, right now I think it's an important story to tell because um, it's an optimistic uh, message actually about um, two different sides, you know what I mean? It's about uh, the sort of the cis straight world and the LGBT world and sort of this optimism about the, the potential for growth, really. And we're in such a divided climate right now that I think it's actually a really important message. So, Oh, I mean, just to see these films being made, which kind of are opening doors for people who haven't seen themselves in film, um, I think is really huge, yeah. And I think especially on this film, Reese and the whole team on Adam were extremely adamant about casting really with a lot of integrity um, and having people whose real life, you know, actors who, whose real life experience is closer to the characters. Um, and I think the film really shows that it's not that hard to do that, to find those actors who are actually so, so talented and can really relate to the story in a real, real way. Bobby, can you talk about how this role kind of resonated with your own personal journey? Um, I mean, I don't entirely relate to Jillian. And, and as an actor, I don't always immediately, I, I kind of think it's more 
more fun if there's a little bit more of a stretch for me. Um, and we talked a lot about how, you know, in my personal life, I am in trans communities. I am living in 2019 where we have a different kind of, um, like the trans literacy of the average American is in a very different place than it was in 2006. <laughs> so we talked a lot about kind of like having to forget all of that and just go to, you know, Jillian is this person who, whose identity is really, um, kind of locked into cis lesbianism. Um, and so meeting someone who she assumes is a trans guy, um, kind of that alone kind of starts to like tip her upside down in terms of like her own sense of self and then and then eventually realizing that he's actually just a cis teenage boy. Like it just completely explodes her universe, I think, and she's basically having an existential crisis, but that's just like a side plot. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, I was compelled to work mostly just because the project was so exciting and, and I thought I could I could do Jillian. <laughs> By the way, I really like how for some reason it's set in 2006. I mean, it, I know it doesn't seem that long ago, but seeing flip phones and stuff, I'm all, okay, come on flip phones. Yeah. Bobby, you, you said something earlier that was really apropos about that, about why this story could only happen then in some ways. Well, I mean... Reese talks about there being a specific um, trans tipping point within the lesbian gay community that was happening then that, you know, then was happening on a broader scale, more like in 2014, but also just um, there being this this lie that is being upheld for as long as it is in the movie, I think would just realistically not be possible with the social media that we have now she would have figured it out um so like that kind of you know it's like it's just far enough away that actually it is such a different landscape somehow and samantha maria with uh, sister amy how do you think that resonates or how does that speak to today's climate um yeah i think that is this working yeah. <laughs> um i think that the fact that we could find themes in this period story that's set in 1926 that we thought were going to say something about today was the reason why we actually set out to do it and not make a period piece that is nostalgic in any way. Um, and for us, this character in the beginning starts out having a lot of power, being a you know she's a she's a woman in 1926 who actually has control over her own narrative because she's built herself an empire. And the second she steps away from that, because she's kind of in this identity crisis, um, she loses that power and it gets stripped away very easily. And we thought it was interesting to, um, to just talk about the fact that narratives are so easily usurped if you're, if you're a person that doesn't have the, the power to grab the microphone in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so all of the characters that she meets, um, there are three characters on this road trip that she embarks on have this wish to grab the microphone and um and they're they're equally equipped to do so and you know and their their sort of struggles seem really relevant to us in this time and it's certainly like a, a specific story about you know like a white female evangelist in 1926 <laughs> and and a um a mexican woman and a you know cisgender straight guy on a road trip but the kind of theme of identity and power of storytelling um, and controlling your own storytelling was important for us and resonated. Yeah. With, I mean, speaking to that, you know, with 
LGBTQ narratives getting more play now. Um, and, the, you know, TV is getting, you know, there's getting a lot of play with LGBTQ representation. Film is almost, I don't know, I want to say almost there, but it's, 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 it's okay, right? <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> um, but as LGBTQ filmmakers and performers, do you guys feel a pressure to do it right? Because with more and more people getting aware of LGBTQ representation and with people with this mob mentality of people looking to get looking to to get angry at something. Yeah. Do you guys feel this pressure? Uh, in a word. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I was talking to somebody recently who was talking about a trans guy who was talking about there's this pressure um, like this expectation to fix everything that's come before you, you know? Like if I make this project that somehow does it right enough, it'll fix everything, which is impossible, you know? It really is. And I think it becomes real, like it can become handcuffs to, to I can't speak for everyone, but I think I've felt like that and I've talked to other people who felt like that. Um, you know, even really in the trans world, like people are really take each other down a lot and I think it's really unfortunate. Um, and if it's so hard to get it right, if you're a member it within that community, you know, how can you then kind of make space for people who are sort of on the edges of that community or how can you cross, you know, make a bridge beyond that? So I, you know, I'm really in, invested in trying to figure out how we deal with that. I don't really know. What do you, what do you guys think? We, we don't know one. either. <laughs> I you just mean, don't go on Twitter. That's not no. Yeah. <laughs> And you do have to think about, I think anytime you're approaching a story, like for us, and I also have a, a big documentary background, and you, I, you feel a certain responsibility of how you're representing people, and then there's the time where the story is, the characters are becoming who they're becoming, and the story is becoming what it wants to be, and sometimes it's, it's it, it can become problematic, because you're like, what's best for this story, but what is it, what am I saying about, like, the, the Ray character in our movie. Like, are we doing this woman justice in the film? Are we doing, are we representing her in the right way? Because we're too, we're who we are. Um, I think it is difficult. I think you still have to, I, I think we both think you still have to approach the work and be responsible. And then you have to also be responsible to the story. Um, and I don't know what that balance is. Because it's I'm scary. sure, uh, I don't know, we'll see what happens yeah. when <laughs> we leave this panel and we read our reviews. <laughs> I do want to encourage like uh, LGBTQ creators though to, to take risks. Yeah. I think we have to, you know, and I think by doing that we might be able to push forward a little bit more. So, you know, I, I just hope people take risks and go for it more. Yeah, and I also want to just add that I think that the answer to a lot of things is more diversity, more yes. perspective yes. is always better. You know, within sort of like the, we're not thankfully anymore in a, in a, in a phase where, you know, one movie is, is the voice of, you know, LGBT folks everywhere. Yeah. You know, um, there's so many and they can be conflicting and all of that is good. That is, I think is progress. Just, I was just going to kind of piggyback off what you were saying. How do, in, in talking about bringing more voice, diverse voices to the for, forefront, how do we kind of build a community to support each other, not just for LGBTQ narratives, but also people of color narratives? Like all these narratives that are coming out that we're seeing a need for that have been traditionally kind of 
you know, overlooked in silence? How do we kind of build a community to strengthen, strengthen each other? Wow, you are That's a good question. Good question. Hard hitting question. I mean, Barbara Walters. One thought. One thought is just that uh, to keep pressing the issue that it's important to make space for people to tell their own stories, um, however that space can be made. Um, that I think that's the first thing that comes to mind because those are the people who are going to tell the stories the best and the most authentically and the most interestingly. Um, and whatever can facilitate that space being made, those projects being funded, I think that is one way to, within this industry, make that progress. And I do think there's the shift that has to happen because all the progress that's been happening, you know, and, and the movement that's been happening in the last couple of years is great. But there is a reality of there is a top of a food chain that controls a lot of power. So it is a supporting each other, but we need people at the top of this food chain that aren't, you know, majority. Yeah, we could just say it. <laughs> old white men. <laughs> this old white man. Um, in order to like, because there's still like, we, we still need funding. We still need people to pay for these movies, for these voices to get out there. So the funding has to be there. So there's a whole shift, fundamental shift that still has to happen. So I'm interested in like, where are we in 10 years? What are we talking about in 10 years? Are we still asking like, what is it like to be a queer filmmaker? How do you feel about me too? Maybe it's just, we're all filmmakers, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, just going off of that, you know, we had what, we had like Crazy Rich Asians come out, we had Black Panther, but those films aren't, the end all. There's so many narratives, and I think that Sundance gives the opportunity for that pipeline to start. And you know, it's just it's after you released your films. It's kind of do you think it's out of your hands? And like, what what, what happens to your baby after? <laughs> oh, just when you put them out yeah, in the yeah, world yeah, yeah. and you have no control. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the worst. <laughs> do you feel like you have no control after that? Like. Mm -hmm. But um, I think we have a we have control over how we talk about the mm -hmm. movie, how we um, how we approach it, how we approach the next one, how we you know how it fits into our own um, you know evolving careers, and you know how we we also shouldn't be too precious about any of our you know like we could. It's actually I wanted to add that to your your uh, question before, and it's kind of uh, touching on both things. It's, I think we also have to be okay with the growth that happens for us. You know, mm -hmm. I could, I, I, you know, I can have a major blind spot in, in, in some area and we should all, part of building a community um, is to understand like we're all sort of people that can make mistakes mm -hmm. and that, that, you know, just because I have a certain experience being, you know, a lesbian white, you know, filmmaker from Germany that does not, you know, that, that means I can still make terrible <laughs> mistakes, you know? And I think that if we're sort of taking the preciousness out of the kind of, that kind of identity politics, then we can sort of build, build more alliances that can bring people up together. I want to talk about, because you've mentioned control and bringing up people up together. Um, I know that the whole inclusion writer has become, you know, this, this real, this, 
I guess, um, mean to tackle this, the whole underrepresented um, uh, problem in Hollywood. But do you guys see this as having a meaningful impact? And I ask you this because it seems it's easier for somebody like a Regina, Regina King or Francis McDermott to say it because, you know, they have they have something attached to their name. But is it how do you as like a filmmaker that or as somebody who's a burgeoning filmmaker and wanting to insist on these things? Do you do you see this this um, this program being being advantageous? basically? I mean, I just speaking for myself, um, both on Transparent and on Adam and other projects I've been a part of, I've um, kind of, I guess I can say mandated or, you know, very much strongly encouraged um, a policy of um, hiring trans people as much as possible throughout um, the production chain. And, and and with that, of course, goes uh, with to also hire women of people of color and people underrepresented people in general. And I think it's by doing that you show that it's actually not that hard and then it kind of becomes self-perpetuating and it, you know what I mean it really hasn't been that hard once you get going and then you, that person worked on this previous thing and then they cross over to another project and they kind of you know it kind of goes so I've found that it's really it's very positive and very productive so I want to see more of that absolutely yeah I think every um every set and every production um I certainly have ever been on that has a more diverse you know a crew behind the camera is a better better set to be on and it's it certainly also um maybe a set where certain mistakes in the telling of a story are not being made um and the same with writers rooms and 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 all of those things and i think that as independent filmmakers we're all you know we're looking for crew that will do it <laughs> you know um but i think that it's not an it's not an excuse to say oh well we just you know we just got who we could find um, and it's it really if it's it's a positive thing it makes your movie better so it's something you should put some energy into yeah. and for me as someone who watches movies I also just find it so exciting to see new faces and just to um, call out <clears throat> a co-star of mine in the audience <laughs> Leo who plays Ethan in the Leo film Shang, sorry I'm here. doing this I'm doing it um, but it was his it was his first film and he's one of my favorite actors to watch in the film and it, there's just this way in which of course you know big names help f make funding happen but also for people who watch movies it's so exciting to see s someone new on the screen so going forward how do you guys see the future of LGBTQ storytelling where where, where would you like to see it in the next 5 years <laughs> I think it's what we've been saying, actually, in terms of like just different voices out there, having it be the norm that there's the funding is going to all storytellers to be able to like make their movies and make their television shows and and have it be out there that there's not just like there's these three movies representing the community and it's not a niche, you know. Yeah, just more, 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 yeah. more diverse, definitely. And also things that are incidentally queer and trans, and then some things that are hyper queer and trans, you know what I mean? And just having the like random trans, you know, uh, I don't know, best friend character in something that has nothing to do, you know what I mean? And then the story's not about that, you know. Or just that it's natural to the story, you know? And in uh, Adam, I was able to cast a couple. We had a lot of trans actors in the movie, of course, but. 
I was also able to cast a couple, uh, you know, not, I guess they were cis, written as cis, and I cast some trans people on those roles and just whatever, who cares? You know, it doesn't say they're cis in the script. No, like, why shouldn't that person, you know, just um, being open minded about that and, you know, yeah, but more and more and more. <laughs> More is always good. More is always good. So here at New Hollywood Podcast, we, we end our uh, each episode with letting our guests give a shout out to an underrepresented voice out in the industry, a storyteller, a producer, a director, an actor who you think deserves more shine and that's not in the mainstream that you just want to give love to and, and champion. So if you want to go down the line, no pressure, and you could say as many names as you want. Can I say somebody who's not in the film industry? Yeah, whatever. Who's not a storyteller, but a different kind of artist? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to shout out to Glenn Copeland, who's also known as Beverly Glenn Copeland, who is a trans musician, um, who I featured one of his songs in my movie because I was so blown away by his music. He recorded this album in 1986 called Keyboard Fantasies with a Casio keyboard. Delicious. It's like... Seriously, it's like so fantastic. And he um, he's just like an underrecognized trans musician in the 80s that people didn't really know about. And he's an older person now. And he's had it just got reissued. And it's like incredible. So I would check him out. Oh, nice. Good. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, just uh, the first person who came to mind was a young director, um, Korean American director who is based out of New York named Adina Danziger, who was actually here last year with a short film of hers. And I just, she's made two shorts now, but I just think she's a force to be reckoned with. And she's, I hope to see her making features. (laughs) Yeah. One day soon. We're going to answer this together. Okay. <laughs> we feel very strongly about this person. Okay. Um, and it is sort of, it is someone from our movie. Um, and it's uh, this actress called Andrea Suarez Paz, who plays mm. Ray. Yes. Um, who is wonderful in this movie, but also um, has, she was in this movie called Sin- Clear of the Closing Doors, which is insanely different from our movie. Um, and we we were kind of, so we were so blown away by her. Um, by her performance in the movie, and we think that she should be everywhere. Yeah. Oh, those are some good names. Did everyone write them down? We, you have your notebooks. Are you guys taking notes? Because we are giving a quiz after a Scantron quiz. <laughs> but thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The New Hollywood Podcast is presented by Visit West Hollywood. We would also like to thank today's partners, Cali Love, Inkbox, West Elm, and of course, Visit West Hollywood. Pulsing in the heart of LA, West Hollywood is home to the iconic Sunset Strip, diverse Santa Monica Boulevard, and fashion-forward design district. Learn more at visitwesthollywood.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.